ended, but ended quietly so that he didn't make uh, a show of her. Um, but then when the angel spoke to him, Joseph changed his attitude to it completely. And he became obedient. And he did what the angel told him to do. There's an innkeeper somewhere in it. The Bible doesn't say much about him, but there's an innkeeper. Uh, and um, obviously he had no room for them, and he gave them a stable to have the baby in. And, you know, man was busy. He was making money. They were great days. I mean, Caesar had sent them a bonanza, uh, and every room in the place was full, and he, he wanted to make some money, and he just said, look, use a stable if you like. Then there were shepherds. And the shepherds were terrified. Wouldn't you have been terrified? I know you like to think that you actually would get it, get it together pretty quickly, but wouldn't you have been terrified uh, if these angels, uh, this heavenly chorus began to sing and this angel messenger was telling you, I think I'd have been terrified. You know, I think if I was out walking, in the, walking around my place at night and, and, and all of a sudden the heavens became alive with angels, I, I, I think I'd be pretty scared. Right? But they got over their scaredness and they became awed by what they were hearing. And then they obeyed. They went to see. And when they saw, the Bible tells us that they went and they told everybody. Do you know this Jesus being born in a stable in Bethlehem was not something that was on the quiet. Uh, it was noised abroad, the Bible says. They, they knew uh, what was going on. Every, everybody got to hear about it. Now, they may not have believed it. They may have said those shepherds, they may have been drinking. They, they, I don't know what they, they said about it, but it was noised abroad. They all got to hear uh, about the fact that a Savior had been born. The Pharisees would have heard. They, they couldn't have avoided everything. Finally went to them, and they were the spiritual leaders. They were the ones that, uh, in, a, in a sense, held it all together for Israel, and they would have heard about the fact that a Savior had been born. They would have heard the fact that, uh, that, that something had happened in the field that night. But do you know that they didn't bother doing anything? They knew where. They knew it was Bethlehem. They never went. Now, why didn't they? Because they had religion. Do you know that religion so often is the enemy of true relationship with God? It becomes the enemy. It becomes the thing that actually stands in the way. Because people have their rule book. They have their plan, their way of doing it. And that religion hinders relationship. And Pharisees are a classic example of it. In fact, Jesus was going to be such an affront to them when they finally had to actually deal with the issue of Jesus that they wanted him gone. They put him to death. They knew, but they just weren't interested. They had no interest. Then there's the wise men. Now, they come later in the day. But do you know that those wise men, uh, of all the people involved in it, were the people that were most motivated about it? They lived some 700 miles away. Uh, they, 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 they read it. They read the story of uh, the fact that a Savior was supposed to be born. They worked out the time from Scripture, and they said, listen, we better go. So they <clears throat> traveled 700 miles, treacherous journey in those days, long, arduous, dangerous. They traveled to see the Savior because this was something worth seeing. This was something worth knowing. And they brought gifts with them, and finally they got to see the Savior. And they went away.
In the midst of their travels, though, they encountered another one of the characters that responded to Jesus, Herod, King Herod. Herod, by this time, is an old man. He's an old and a sick man. Uh, He's a very insecure man. Uh, He's killed his own children by this time because he's afraid of them taking his throne. And, And these wise men come in full of the hope and the joy that they've heard about and followed the star as far as they could. And they come into Herod and they say, listen, he's born. And where, where, where is he? And Herod says, who? And he said, he's going to be king of the Jews. And Herod goes into a cold sweat because he's the king of the Jews and nobody's getting to take that throne from him. But he plays along with the, uh, with the wise men, and, and, and finally they tell him in Bethlehem, and they, go, they, they, they see the star, and they follow the star. And they see Jesus. But they never come back to tell Herod. And so Herod has all the babies in that area slaughtered because they were a threat to him. See, Herod was threatened by him. And you see, It's impossible for us to actually deal with the issue of Jesus without responding to it in some way. He's too big a character. He's had too much of an impact on all our lives. There's no way we can just ignore Jesus. There's no way we can say, oh yeah. I mean, we have to respond to him in some way. Um, Maybe you're like the Pharisees. Yeah, you know, but you know what? You're busy. You're not interested. You don't have time um, for this. Maybe uh, you're like Joseph, disturbed by this tale. Maybe you're even like Herod tonight. You're threatened by the reality of a Savior. But you have to respond to him. There's, There's no way not to respond to him. The response I like is the response of Mary, and it's found in Luke chapter 2. Sorry, Luke chapter 1. And verse 26, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. I will read it for you. You don't need to look it up, right? And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. And when she saw him, She was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David." And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Now, I'm going to give you Mary's response in the next verse, right? But you know, for Mary, this was a shock. We look back and it's all very 
much of the Christmas story for us. And we understood. But it was a dreadful shock for Mary. Mary's about to get married. She's got her plans for her life, like any young uh, girl that's, that, that's engaged. She's got her plans for her life. She's got it all going to work out. And, and this angel comes in and, and announces to her something that was not part of the plan at all. Something that was going to cause dreadful trouble in her life. You see, having a baby not being married in our day and age is very little. It's not regarded as being much. But in this day and age... It was regarded as something dreadful. It was regarded as something terrible. It was going to mark her life forever. Legally, she could have been stoned for it. She had no husband. Also, how is she going to tell Joseph? How do you communicate to your future husband the fact, well, I'm carrying somebody else's baby and... Uh, right when you're in the middle of everything and you're, you're just about to be married, how, how do you do that? And apart from any of that, this angel terrified her too. Yeah, she, she, she knew there was a baby supposed to be born. She knew a virgin would have that baby. That was part of the story. And I suppose every young Jewish girl hoped that it might be her. But when she was presented with it, all the ramifications of it, how it would affect her life, how it would change her life, how it would maybe destroy her plans. And we know when Joseph heard, listen, he was ready to end it all. When she heard all that, she has to make a choice. She has to make a response. She has to decide what she's going to do about all of this. And here's what she does in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord... Be it unto me according to thy word. She accepted it. She said, I'm his handmaid. Whatever he wants in my life, that's what I want to. You know, that's the most wonderful response we can have to God. To just come to that place where we yield to him and let him have his way in our lives. You know, when you do, as for Mary... It's, it's not all plain sailing. It's not all easy. We like to think, you know, it's all just easy. It's all just uh, fun. It all just works out. There was going to be a cost for Mary. And there's a cost for every one of us that decide to let his will be done in our lives. There's, there's a price tag on that. Well, we have to give up some things, and we have to let go of some things, and we have to let God in to do his work. And, and that's a bit scary because we don't know what he might do. We don't know what God might do if he came into our lives. Many of you in this room are born again. You've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and your life has been changed by it. But if we were to talk about it, we would talk about the wonder and the joy and the blessing of it, but we would also talk about a cost involved in it too. That, 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 that there were things that, that changed. That yielding your will to God. You see, it's not in our nature. Our, our nature is to take control of our own lives and run our own lives. We want God to stay in his heaven and, and stay out of our lives and let us get on with our lives and do our own thing. But you know, that's not an option for us. Because Jesus didn't come just to bless Mary. And Jesus didn't come to frighten the shepherds and Jesus didn't come to 
sparked the lack of interest in the Pharisees. And Jesus didn't even come to motivate the wise men. And Jesus didn't come so that Herod would feel threatened. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Who was lost? Us. All of us. That's why he came. We needed a savior. We needed a deliverer. Because we couldn't deliver ourselves. You know, religion won't deliver you and power won't deliver you. You know, there comes a day when every one of us has to stand before our God. There comes a day when effectively God is going to say to you, well, what did you do with my son? How, how, did you, how did you respond to him? Because the defining moment in all of our lives is what we do with Jesus. That's, that's the defining moment. I mean, all the rest of the decisions and the things that you do and I do, and so much of it is just gone. But what we do with Jesus is the one thing that has ramifications for eternity. It's the deciding factor between heaven and hell, the Bible says. What we do with Jesus. I wonder this Christmas time, what are you going to do with Jesus? How are you going to deal with him? But, <clears throat> I think Mary's response is so sweet. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. It's a surrender. It's a, God, you have it your way. Whatever it costs me, it costs me. But you have it your way. You know... Mary's going to sing a song and a song of joy and blessing for what God has done in her life. But there's a surrender moment that comes first. Now let me ask you tonight. What about you? Do we come and just focus on this lovely Christmas story? We all love babies. Who doesn't? We all love children singing. Even, even if they give their brothers a the stuff in the middle of it all, but, uh, they, they look after them. We all love children singing. <laughs> um, we all love the music. You know, we all love the big dinner on Christmas Day. But we love all of it. And you know what? You can glide through it like so many and never let the reality of what happened on that night in Bethlehem touch you. God came down and dwelt amongst men and went to the cross to pay the price for our sin. And it's the most important moment in history ever. And every one of us have to grapple with it. Every one of us have to deal with it. You know what I would encourage you to do tonight? I would encourage you to come to that place where you say, Lord... Whatever your will is, that's what I want. Now, that's not you getting saved. That's not you getting born again. That's you saying, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. That's a pretty safe thing to do. Because God only wants your best. That's not asking you to become a member of the Baptist church. That's not asking you to change your religion. 
That's you saying, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want to. And then ask God to show you what he wants. Ask God to show you what he wants. See, the Bible tells us this. It says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know that God is not willing that anybody in this world should be lost, separated from him, and spend an eternity in hell? Do you know what instead? He wants everyone to come to faith in Jesus Christ to be born again. Why? Because he loves us. And you know, if you would ask him, he would do it. Because he always keeps his word. He never fails to keep his word. You know what you would find? You would find that Jesus, the babe, the man, the God, would be your savior. He would deliver you from your sin. You would find him if you would let him to be your Lord. The one that's in charge, the one that's in control, the one that when you follow him, he has a way of making things work. But you know what else you would find? You would find him to be a friend. A friend that goes with you every day. A friend that you can enjoy. A friend that wants to enjoy you. You see, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Everything changed forever. It's never going back to the way it was. It's all changed forever. God has come and he stayed. And God is willing tonight. If you would just like Mary be willing, God is willing. If you will just like Mary say, Lord, be it done unto me according to thy will. Whatever you want, Lord, that's what I want to I wonder tonight, would you be willing to say that to God? Just between you and him. Nothing to do with me. Nobody else is going to hear you. It's just between you and him. Would you be willing to say, Lord, whatever you want of me, Lord, that's what I want too. That's not you getting born again, but I tell you, that's a step. That's a huge step. When you come to the place where you say, Lord, I want what you want. And that's very safe. And then when you've done that, would you call out to him and ask him to save you? He came to be a savior. He came to be a deliverer. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you would call out to him, he would do it. That's not you changing your religion. That's not you giving in to the Baptist way. That's not you joining the Baptist church or anything else. It's entirely between you and God. It's the most important decision anyone in their lives ever makes. Don't let pride, don't let <clears throat> fear, don't let <clears throat> just the fact that you're not interested get in the way of it. It's the most important thing. Grapple with the reality of who Jesus is and bow before him and let him in. 